All right. Uh, wow. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Psalms 51. We're going to go Psalms 51. And this morning I want us to look at the idea, the subject matter of this morning is, I, I want us to look at the idea of biblical repentance. Biblical repentance is something that is much needed in the day in which we live. Amen? And when I say needed, it is desperately needed. Um, Second, or Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says that for godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. There is a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. John MacArthur says that human sorrow is unsanctified remorse that has no redemptive capabilities. Rather, it is nothing more than wounded pride of getting caught in a sin. And this kind of sorrow leads to guilt, shame, despair, depression, and self-pity as well as hopelessness. And people can actually die from this type of grief. But godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Godly sorrow in this, this is a moment that the Holy Spirit brings conviction over your sin. And when God himself brings you to your knees over the law that you have broken. Genuine repentance cannot occur without first coming to the understanding that you have a depraved nature. That you have sin. That you have indeed sinned. That grief that comes from understanding that you've broken God's law and broken the triune God's heart brings you to a place where you can find redemption. So with that information in place, I want us to look at Psalm 51 and look at David's repentance over his sinfulness. Now, if you remember the subject matter as to why David was repenting in this text, he had committed two sins that were absolutely egregious. He committed adultery, and then he killed the husband. So murder. And so he's been exposed by the Holy Spirit, and now he is coming to this. He's not making excuses for his sins. Rather, he is repenting over his sinfulness. So we're going to start in Psalm 51, and we're going to be in verse, start in verse, very one, verse one. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. And God, I ask that you would, in this moment, remove me from the pulpit and you come in and you preach this message. Because without your Holy Spirit directly intervening, there is no power. And God, I ask for that to take place. And that you would be present and that you would be the one who speaks. I love you, Jesus. Pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. David knew that even though he had sinned horribly in this text. You see the remorse. Even though he understood he sinned, he knew that. 
He knew that he had sinned horribly. He also knew that God's mercy was still available. And the reason that the mercy was available was based upon God's covenant love with his people. It wasn't because David was awesome. It wasn't because David was special. It wasn't because David was anything other than coveted into God. He was part of God. God's heart was close to him and he was close to God. That doesn't mean he was perfect. We obviously see that. And that's just a couple of his sins. David was a mess. Amen? David was a mess. Gives me hope. Because I know a couple other folks that are a mess. Anybody else? Okay, just checking. But, but you see the text here, and you see this. David starts his prayer with a plea for God's forgiveness. He asks God to be merciful. This is echoed again in Psalm 32, back a couple of chapters in Psalm 32. It says, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom God, the Lord counts not his iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So this is where we must start when we come to Christ. When you come to Christ over a sin issue, you can't make excuses for your sin. Well, God, you don't understand. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know the problems I have. I did that because of blah, 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 blah. I was prone to do this. I was prone to do that, right? This is where we must come when we come to the feet of Christ. We must come with a humble stance. We have a humble heart. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who understand the sinfulness, their wickedness, their depravity, their spiritual bankruptcy. And that they can do nothing to fix themselves. I, listen, Caleb Gordon, Pastor Caleb Gordon cannot fix himself. And I can't fix anybody else. I can't make anybody's sins go away. It, just, it won't happen. But I do know the person who can wipe your sins away. His name is Jesus. Those who understand their sinfulness, those who understand their wickedness, and that they can do nothing to fix themselves, those are who make it into the kingdom of heaven. And that's how David starts his, his prayer, is this plea, have mercy on me, O God, according to what? According to your steadfast love. So David calls into place God's steadfast love. He says, God, according to your love, forgive me. Not according to my goodness, not according to my stature, not according to my last name, but according to your steadfast love, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. And then we move into verse 3 through 6. David is palms up in a stance of understanding that he has done nothing to deserve God's mercy, but rather he has, done, he has done everything to deserve God's wrath. So he has a stance of open-handedness in his own admission of his sinfulness. He acknowledges it is his sinful desires that got him where he is. He's not a, listen, David wasn't a victim and neither are you. David wasn't a victim. He's the one who opened the door in his life to do the things that he was going to do. Listen, he was the one on the rooftop. There wasn't nobody up there going, listen, David, you get up on that rooftop and you stand up there and you stare at that woman. Get up there right now, go boy. 
There was nobody making him do that. He's acknowledging his part in all of this before God. For I know my transgressions, verse 3, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. So he's acknowledging it right in front of everybody. Listen, it's me. I'm the biggest problem. I'm it. I acknowledge my sins, my transgressions are ever before me. And And who did he sin against? Ultimately, he sinned against God. He disobeyed God. And against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So that you might be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Man, he he is palms up. Listen, God, full surrender here. He acknowledges it was his sinful desires that got him where he is. And God, you have every right to exact wrath and justice on me. You have every right to bring the full weight of of the hammer of justice down on me as an individual. And listen, that's every one of us in this room. God has every right to bring the the judgment hammer of wrath on you today and me. And then he admits in verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. So listen, ladies and gentlemen, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I need you to understand something. There's no such thing as an innocent baby. We're all born sinful. Ask a mom at 2.30 in the morning when when a baby's screaming its mind out. Anybody? Anybody had a baby at 2.00? Everybody wants to hold and rock a baby except at 2.30 in the morning when it's like, ah! What's it screaming? Me, I want me. Fix me, me. I want my rights. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Pay attention to me. Dad said what I would used to do when I was in my crib. I would scream. Bloody murder scream. And he'd come in and flip the lights on and I'd go, hey, you're here, let's play. It was all about me. We're, a, a baby has no qualms with exposing their sinfulness to you. It's all about me, what I want, my desires. So David says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in the truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. I love this. I love this. Behold, you delight in the truth and the inward being. This, listen, you and I both need to stop making excuses. Your sin is your sin. And you can't try to pin your sin on someone else. Listen. I've tried it. It's not my fault. I I acted that way because they did this. I just reacted to what they did. Well, okay, but you can control what you do. You might not be able to control what somebody else does. Somebody else might sin and do something wicked, but you don't have to react to it. My sin is my sin. I'm owning where I've fallen short. That's David Hughes. He's owning where he fell short. And you and I should too. Stop blaming your environment. Stop blaming your family. Stop blaming where you grew up. Stop blaming all. It's 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 not your kid's fault. It's not your spouse's fault. It's not your brother's fault. It's not your mom's fault. It's not your dad's fault. It's your fault. You are a sinful human being. At the end of the day, you have no one to blame but yourself. And, And listen, 
That won't hold water at the judgment seat of Christ. Brent Baggett said you're going to stand at the judgment seat alone. You will not have someone else to stand beside you and grab and put your arm around and say, well, technically it was Aaron's fault. No. At the judgment seat, it's Caleb alone. And I'm either under God's grace and mercy or I'm under God's wrath. And there's only two options. There's not a third door you can go through. James chapter 1 verses 14 through 15 says, But each person is tempted when they are lured and enticed by their own sin and their own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. I know that's a tough one to hear, but here's the beautiful truth. The moment that you and I admit this, we will find comfort. Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That means mourning over your sinfulness. Mourning over the the things that you've done. In a stance of godly sorrow, you'll find everlasting comfort that cannot be taken away. Man, aren't you thankful for that? Listen, I know that I am very thankful that God has forgiven me. He's forgiven me. In fact, if you go further down in the passage in in Psalms, verses 16 and 17, it says, For you delight in sacrifice, not in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. So what does God want? Verse 17, the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Listen, what the Lord Jesus Christ wants more than anything from us is a broken spirit. The Lord will not reject a broken and repentant heart. A heart that is broken over their sinfulness will not be rejected, but rather will be comforted. That's good news. That's the gospel. That's good news. Amen? Let's keep going. Verses 7 through 12, it is a prayer of moral cleansing. It's a moral cleansing, asking God to bring clarity and cleansing. And one of the most, listen, one of the most disgusting feelings in a Christian's life is when they partake in something immoral. Can I, listen, I, I know. I know. And there's nothing more disgusting feeling when you've done something immoral and the Holy Spirit puts his finger on your heart and says, that's not how we do things. That's not what we do, sir, ma'am. That's not the direction we should be going. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, No other sin is clearly affected the body as one like this. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. David sinned against his own body. He sinned against his own body. What God intended as a gift in the marriage bed is used by the devil to destroy humanity. And David felt this firsthand. So in verses 7 through 12, he prays and asks God for a divine cleansing. Look at verse 7. Purge me with the hyssop, 
and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. This is the hyssop was a plant. It was just a common brush plant used in ceremonial sprinkling of blood or water in a ritual cleansing. David is asking for the blood of the lamb to be applied to his account. We, we remember in Moses' story, when the death angel came, they took the hyssop and they dipped that hyssop bush, which was just a, just a common, just like a sage plant, just the common plant of the area. I love that. The, the picture of just the commonality of it is, listen, there's common grace. There's a beautiful application here. Taking the, taking the hyssop bush, dipping that in the blood, and they wiped that over the door of the, of the doorposts. And when the death angel came, when death came, when it saw the blood of the lamb, it passed over the blood doorpost and saved everyone inside. Everyone that was under the blood was saved. There's a sermon there. Amen. Everyone that's in, under the blood of Christ, everyone that's had the, the, the blood of Christ sprinkled over their heart is saved from the death angel, is saved from the curse. David is asking for the blood of the Lamb to be applied to his account. This is what we must do if we are going to find peace with God, is that you and I must, at the end of the day, ask God to apply his blood over our account. This is the only thing that brings cleansing and forgiveness. There's no other thing you can do. I can't help enough old ladies across the street. I can't go to enough food banks and donate money or food or anything else. I must have the blood applied over my heart. Verse 8 says, let, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that have broken Rejoice. And listen, when you've sinned, there is a heaviness in a believer's physical body that no one can actually understand or feel until they've been there. And listen, let me help you understand, you don't want to be there. You don't want to go there. It's, it's not one you just want to experience. The desire here is to have... The feeling of joy come back to them. David is saying, God, let me hear joy and gladness again. Let me feel that in my, in my bones. Let the bones that you've broken rejoice. Let me come back to where I was in the beginning of this. And if we don't repent of our sins, we will not find joy. We will just constantly have a feeling of heaviness over our, our bodies. Verse 9 says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities and create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. This is a prayer asking God to clean, renew, and restore his right standing with him. David is saying, God, please clean me up. Restore me and give me a right standing again. And this is what happens when we truly repent of our sins. It renews us, it cleanses us, and it restores us. This is the mechanism that God uses. Repenting of our sins and putting trust and hope and faith in the forgiveness of God's blood on Calvary's cross is what brings us 
restoration. Verse 12 says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. He's asking here for that restoring of that moment when he was saved. Do you remember that feeling? Do you remember that moment that that it clicked? You were maybe in a revival or maybe you were at a Bible study. Maybe you're at church and God's word's being preached and all of a sudden there's a prick at your heart and you're like, oh wait, I am wicked. I am sinful. I do deserve God's wrath. God, I want to be forgiven. I want to be restored. And you understood from the pages of Scripture that you could only find salvation through Christ and Christ alone. Do you remember that feeling when God first got a hold of you? The pure delight, the feeling of freedom from your sin and from your past. Look, listen, I got, well, okay. I got, do I got a past? Yes and amen. But guess what? God's blood has covered my past, and it can, it'll cover yours. And if it can cover David, if it can cover David, anybody in the room guilty of adultery and murder? You say, well, not me. Actually, let's go ahead and rewind the tape. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her already. That applies, ladies, if you look at a man, that applies to you. Just just equal gender here. And then Jesus said, if you hate your brother, if you have rage against your brother, you're guilty of murder. So technically, everybody in the room has been guilty of adultery and murder. Listen, you ever been in the car? Just want to, somebody cuts you off in traffic? Listen, if David can be forgiven, so can you. If Caleb Gordon can be forgiven, so can you. This is what David's looking for. And the response of David, once he's prayed these prayers of forgiveness and owning his wickedness and asking for this moral cleansing, verse 13 through 15, he says, Then I'll teach the transgressors your ways, and the sinners, I'll teach them to return to you. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God. O O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips. David says here, I'll teach others how to repent. I'll teach them what it looks like to biblically repent. I'll show them how to get themselves lined up properly with the God of the universe. I'll teach them how to repent of their sins and return to God. I'll show them how to be delivered from their guiltiness. The the guiltiness that that they're murderers, that they're thieves, that they're blasphemers, that they've committed adultery, that they've done all these things. I'll show them how to find forgiveness. And And then he says, my tongue will declare God's mighty righteousness until the day I die. The banner will be clear until the day I die. Christ is king and I will love him and serve him for with every fiber of my being. Amen. So this morning, what I want us to do is I just want us to take a few moments as we end here. You guys are getting out early. I want us to take a few moments and I just want us to reflect on this. 
And I want us to repent where we need to repent. And I want us to turn over what we need to turn over to the Lord. And listen, you aren't coming to your pastor. Listen, there's nothing that your pastor can do to forgive you of your sins. I cannot forgive you. You don't come and come. Pastor Caleb, forgive me for I have sinned. I'll stop you right there and say, no, it's not me. It's Christ and Christ alone. And so what I want us to do, I'm going to have Aaron come up and I'm going to have him play. Whatever you want to do. And I just want us to stand. Everybody stand with me. And we're going to take a few moments. And we're just going to ask God to do a work. And if you want to come and pray, and this altar is going to be open. I don't do this very often. So I don't do this very often. But I want us to come and I want us to ask God to do a work. Do a work of redemption and forgiveness.